tomorrow. It's going to be a cold one. Look at that first alert forecast coming up here in just a couple of moments. Ooh, even colder than I thought. Uh, tomorrow's we broadcast live from our Friday Roadshow location, Scrambler, sponsored by Affordable Towing. That hero's breakfast is made possible by Scramblers, Delta Roofing, Serenity Honors, and Air Services Heating, Cooling, Plumbing and electrical, that means if you're a veteran, come out between 6 and 9. Tomorrow morning as we broadcast live, you're going to get free breakfast. And I anticipate Emily Johnson will probably be there at a great time. If you have any questions about uh, buying a home, selling a home, what's your home worth? Is this a good time? Should you put the brakes on it if you're thinking of, of selling or maybe, uh, again, thinking of buying? Or or perhaps you know you're going to have to do it within a year's time. Should you hold off and wait? These are all questions that Emily Johnson can answer for you. She is tremendous at what she does. She does it with a passion. It is her full-time uh, career that's it's not some sort of side gig that she does to have an extra revenue stream. Uh, this is this is Emily Johnson House Theory Realty, and uh, she loves um, putting advice out there. In fact, uh, I saw on her Facebook page, which is Emily Johnson House Theory Realty, she gave tips for people who are selling their homes during the holidays. Uh, holidays obviously are a time when a lot of people, your home, you change it up a bit. You've got decorations and so forth, and and uh, and so oftentimes people can go astray and do things that are counterproductive to selling their home. And so she gives some tips there. I recommend you follow her, Emily Johnson House Theory Realty. Christy Fulnecki will be joining us today. It is Thursday, of course. The American Transmissions Talk and Text Line four four seven KSGF. You want to. Text in any thoughts, any questions. Um, Still, of course, um, I mean, I don't even feel like I need to say this. We don't know anything more today than yesterday other than officially, yes, there's going to be a runoff. That occurs in Georgia. So at this point, it's it's still up in the air. Odds are we're not going to know until after the end of the year who controls the Senate. Ugh. Uh, McCarthy, of course, has announced in the House that he plans on running for the leadership position. There are already uh, some stories out there that there are a couple of dozen uh, Freedom Caucus members who are saying, not so fast, Uh, you're going to need us in order to get that position, and we're going to want some guarantees. I've got my own reservations about McCarthy, though at times he has he says the right things, he says things that are resonating well and have resonated well with uh, Trump supporters. He's he's you know he's gotten caught behind the scenes saying things that were pretty damning of uh, of Trump. You may recall uh, some time ago. Uh, I, I get these instinctual fears that he's going to be like Paul Ryan, somebody that. Uh, was thought of as being, um, you know, 
vibrant and and relatively younger. I mean, he's younger than Paul Ryan was, but this conservative uh, uh, future of the party and then gets in there and things just go back to the same old ways. And uh, maybe I'm incorrect in that, but, um, you know, there's just not that fiery feeling about him. And in reality, did he really deliver any more successfully than McConnell did in the Senate? Yes, Republicans are, though still races are up in the air. Republicans are expected to take the House, but not nearly to the degree. And in fact, it's it's funny, yesterday I noted that Biden has the argument that uh, the midterms under his his leadership, actually he fared better than in any you know, than presidents have uh, for a very, very long time. And he cited all the way back to Kennedy. I don't know if that's the case or not. But um, he, he's he got a, 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 quote, mandate if you look at history. And this huge red wave was supposed to occur. It was supposed to be easy, and it did not happen. And so uh, you, you look at McConnell, who I think definitely needs to go in terms of leadership, whether that is leader of the Senate or just leader of the, the, the minority leader in the Senate, In reality, no one ultimately, I mean, the House was supposed to be a total give me, right? No question asked. Going to be done and over before you go to bed at night. Going to be huge. And that red wave uh, was going to be so phenomenal. And and then even the Senate were probably, not sure, but but probably going to get the Senate, though it was considered to be a toss-up by most going into it. And by definition, that's pretty much what it is. When you look at expectations, it's the House, the Republicans, and those those House positions that didn't deliver on expectations. So if we're going to argue that McConnell should not have a leadership position in the Senate because he fails to, as the face of the Senate, as, as leading the direction or the Republicans in the Senate, uh, he doesn't uh, get, you know, there's not the excitement there. There's not that enthusiasm that he creates. McCarthy apparently doesn't either. Now, I know it's not fully their responsibility to uh, necessarily get those numbers up, but ultimately to a degree. I mean, you do look to them. They are the leadership. It's like Newt Gingrich with the 104th Congress. I mean, he was the 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 leader in that capacity, he was, even, of course, before he was leadership, seen as the individual that helped usher in that contract with America error, era. And when things went poorly, he was the one that ultimately was to you know, take credit or take blame for it whenever, uh, not accomplishments, but elections uh, began to, uh, you know, not go in favor of Republicans. And and so there is that responsibility. And, I, you know, you think about excitement. We, you know, there's Trump excitement. There's DeSantis excitement. There's, there's excitement for a number of people. But do we ever think McCarthy excitement? Do we think McConnell excitement? I, you know, I don't think we do. I know we don't. So I get a little concerned about this appointment of leadership that doesn't translate to a relationship with the voters. Now, clearly in a leadership position in the House, you, you, it's, it's 
so much, <clears throat> excuse me, so much more than just that. I mean, you've got to be able to do so many things that you and I don't even understand or comprehend in order to be successful in the house. But I, I think we do live in an era where that position is also something of significance in terms of relationship to the people. I mean, how often do we talk about Nancy Pelosi? How often it, during the campaign did Republicans talk about we need to get Nancy Pelosi out of there? It's, you know, So Nancy Pelosi, clearly the relationship between her and the American people is something that is viewed as, as being significant. Um, <clears throat> I, I think that Republicans, I don't think that they have replicated that since the mid-90s with the 104th Congress. And I don't know that McCarthy's going to do it. I could be pleasantly surprised. could be totally surprised. He may just be trying to balance uh, in a Reagan-esque sort of way the uh, the relationship with the people and also understanding that you've got to, to some degree, without compromising principles, work within the halls of Congress, the halls of Washington, in order to get things done. But I, more times than not, find myself disappointed whenever somebody that portrays themselves as uh, the new leadership on behalf of the people, and then it turns out that they're not. But I, I'm... I'm not going to condemn him to that future uh, because he should have the the um, the the right and the ability to prove himself in that capacity. Springfield's Talk 1041 coming up. The Federalist has a nice little piece. Here's a list of GOP election wins that the media won't tell you about. And I thought it was a nice little pick-me-up, if you will, for those that just, you know, we hear about these certain races and the lack of a red wave and and it can be a little suppressing. Uh, or depressing when it comes to hopes for the future. And uh, there are, though, on a more local level, and a lot of other um, you know, positions that some states vote on, we don't hear necessarily, that do indicate that on the ground floor, that on the local level, things are oftentimes much different than they are on the national level. Jason Ryman now with the latest news update. Missouri voters passed a constitutional amendment Tuesday on recreational marijuana. George Lawson reports. The group Legal Missouri 2022 claimed victory for Amendment 3 on Tuesday. The measure would make Missouri one of 20 states to legalize and tax marijuana. Under the measure, Missourians would be able to purchase marijuana products recreationally as soon as February 6th of 2023. The nation's punishing inflation rate likely kept simmering in October, giving the Federal Reserve little cause to ease up in its drive to slow price increases by steadily raising interest rates. The Labor Department is expected to report that consumer prices jumped 8% from a year ago and by a sharp six-tenths of a percent from September to October. A separate measure called core inflation, which excludes volatile food and energy costs, is expected to have surged 6.5% in the past year and five-tenths of a percent from September to October. New American League home run king Aaron Judge and St. Louis slugger Paul Goldschmidt have won Hank Aaron Awards that reward the most outstanding offensive performers in each league. Judge and Goldschmidt are both finalists for the MVP honors that will be presented next week by the Baseball Writers Association of America. I'm Jason Rima. Springfield Stock, 104.1. First alert forecast, mostly sunny, 78 today. Enjoy it. Tonight, temperatures dropping out, a front coming through, bringing us some showers. Storms are even possible, down to 35 for a low. There's a slight chance of rain as we continue into the morning tomorrow. Then sunshine, only 38 for the high, 41 on Saturday. 
You're listening to Nick Reed in the Morning on Springfield's Talk 1041. America Transmissions Talk and Text Line 447 KSGF to Cam in Springfield. Welcome to the show. Hey, thank you. You're welcome. So, I got a, some stuff that's been on my mind watching watching these midterms. Mm-hmm. I just want to know what the game plan is going to be for the GOP starting now until 2024. Because in my mind, you know, this should have been been clear and cut all across the United States. You know, we're, fa- we're facing with the highest inflation we've seen in 40 years. Crime, crime's through the roof. And I feel like the GOP leadership botched this whole thing from the start. Someone had texted in. It was an interesting text just uh, a bit ago asking where was the Republican leadership, they put in quotes, outworking their butts off to get Republicans elected. The only one I saw was President Trump, and now they want to blame him. Unreal. That's an interesting observation. Now, there was a degree of some others out there, and and DeSantis, he he did a bit. uh, He did not do as much traveling around. A lot of uh, DeSantis, uh, his endorsements and so forth were through social media. But he's also a governor, obviously. So while Trump is, I guess, technically unemployed, you know, he's he's got more time on his hands than somebody who's an active governor. Uh, But it is interesting to see the blame, and they keep blaming Trump. And, and, you know, Trump officially has no position or responsibility to get people elected. I, there are people whose job that is for a while. Liz Cheney was one of them. The the brilliant minds of uh, the Republican Party picking people like Liz Cheney to be in charge of of Republican recruitment and and you know where where were these people? Now we saw Mitch McConnell, he was actually taking money from competitive races in which it it was very close, Arizona being one of them. And instead putting it into Alaska to try and get uh, Murkowski um, uh, reelected in the face of opposition from another. They have ranked choice voting up there. It's just such a ridiculous mess. Uh, But you had essentially, you know, it was going to be one of two Republicans, whether it was Murkowski or the non-establishment newcomer Republican. And McConnell here, he's supposed to be a leader. And instead of focusing on winning more seats, he was focusing on a seat that was going to be Republican anyway and using taking money from Republicans who need it and, and throwing it you know, towards her and trying to get that done. And, and in fact, the, um, by an over, almost a unanimous vote, the Republican Party of Alaska censured uh, or condemned whatever the official deal was that they did for Mitch McConnell for doing that. Uh, and so, yeah, they did nothing. The the people who actually, at least in a meaningful way, that, that we as observers, as voters see, and if we're not seeing it as voters, they're probably not doing it correctly because we're the ones who have to see it in order to be motivated, in order to be moved by it. And, and so when Trump is the only one that is seen out there, that is observed by voters, is actually working to try to get candidates uh, elected, uh, and then when the 
the results aren't what people expected. And then the party leadership, who wasn't observed by voters doing anything at all, are pointing at Trump and claiming him. It does. It, it brings to the forefront the question, well, where the hell were you? What did you do? And I fully understand there are behind-the-scenes things that were done and, and the things that we don't notice and we don't understand. But but there, it, the, the pointing to Trump as being a failure and being responsible somehow for this, you know, Trump's only play in this was being out there and, and enthusiasm, getting enthusiasm uh, of the voters, getting them out to vote, uh, speaking directly to the voters. Well, no one else was filling that role. I, I mean, it, it just wasn't happening. And so it is a little, I think, bitter for people observing this, for voters, to watch Trump get blamed for something when they weren't stepping up and doing it. And so if not Trump, then who? And if they're going to say, well, we didn't do it because Trump was already doing it, well, that's your decision. That was a calculation made on behalf of Republican leadership to to go that route. But you can't – I mean, it is it, – it's it's the, the you know, um, person that sits in the back that doesn't participate and then points the finger and blames the people who actually were participating in the process when it doesn't turn out really well. And I think for a lot of people that's typical Washington, typical elitism. Uh, never my fault. It's always the fault of somebody else. Uh, thanks for the call. It's, I, I, I appreciate it. We're going to take a break. The American Transmissions Talk and Text Line 447-KSGF. I'm Nick Reed. You're listening to Nick Reed in the Morning on Springfield's Talk 1041. Yeah, I want to note this conversation that is going on in, regarding what Trump should do now and, and uh, arguably, well, and I think it's clear that based on everything that happened, and this includes the one red wave in Florida, people are re-evaluating the landscape. And people are legitimately asking, what is the best pathway to the White House for Republicans? And a lot of, now there are some that are still saying Trump should do it there because he is the one who uh, can win it and DeSantis should stay out. And then there are those that are saying Trump should drop out now, DeSantis should do it. But we, we increasingly are treating the primary as an anointment. We are approaching it as if there should just be one person and no contest at all. That somehow we need to pre-primary the primary. We need to just collectively somehow decide whom amongst us is the person that should win and then they're the only one who should run. I believe it would be healthy for us to instead look at it as... A, a a common, historic way that for Republicans in, in this context, the decision is made as to, it's not made beforehand. It's not made by pundits. It shouldn't be anyhow. It, it used to be that way prior to Trump. You know, Republicans were told, you need to pick Mitt Romney. Okay. Republicans were told, you need to pick John McCain. Okay. We say how famously all that worked out. 
Uh, and then Trump came along and that changed. The people spoke up. Well, I think if we just reset ourselves, and, and I'm included in this, and go, wait a minute here. Th- that's what the primary is for. That's how we make this decision. We don't demand that somebody not participate in the process of, in which we collectively uh, decide which individual is going to run under the party's banner. We, we, that, that's how it's decided, is, is we go through that process. And, of course, everyone's going to have their opinions. And, and I understand the, the instinct here is to have it all nice and pretty and no fighting. And we don't want to see any of that. And Republicans tend to really um, uh, recoil at the idea of primaries oftentimes, particularly if there's somebody that they feel is the best option. Democrats aren't that way so much. Democrats seem more willing to, yeah, let's duke it out, let's have this battle, let's figure out uh, whom it is uh, that, that we want. And, I mean, if it weren't for that attitude, Obama never would have gotten the nomination. You know, I mean, that it, it was that sort of attitude, whereas Republicans, and we see here in Missouri a lot, um, you know, the Eric, Eric Greitens, of course, highlights that. But, you know, th- th- we're, we're just told by the experts, well, no, this is who, who the per- this is the person most likely to win, so nobody else should challenge them. All that money that would be used in a primary, instead, uh, it should be focused on uh, uh, defeating the the Democrat. And there are a number of problems with that. Um, but I, I, we we have lulled ourselves into this sense, I think. That it's us versus that that in. That it's us versus them even in the primaries. And once we select somebody we like, everybody else is the enemy. And it it might be a good thing if we adjust our viewpoint on this and instead be like, okay, you're auditioning for us. Like American Idol. <laughs> or, or, or just any sort of audi- – like job interviews. And uh, all right, let's hear it. And if it's particularly nasty and we don't like how nasty somebody is, then we say, you know what, I'm not going to support you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to vote for this guy to be our employee. Or if we like the nastiness, we're like, yes, that's what's needed. Then we get to choose that route. And, and so instead of looking at it in terms of these battle lines and you have to choose which side and, uh, and then hell or high water, that's the person. And if they don't win, then I'm not voting. I'm sitting out. Um, Instead, look at it as a job interview, and we have different people in. And so, you know what? Maybe if Trump and DeSantis both decide to run, that doesn't ha- we don't have to see that as the worst thing in the world. Is it fun? Is it the best thing in the world? Maybe not. Probably not. But it's not also the end of the world. And we should, I think, maybe accept it for what it is, if that indeed does happen. Springfield's Talk 1041. i I'm Nick Reed. You're listening to Nick Reed in the Morning on Springfield's Talk 1041. First alert forecast sponsored by St. Clair of the Ozarks Home Improvements. Mostly sunny, 78 for a high today. Showers and storms, woo, cold front coming through down to 35. Tomorrow, only 38 with a slight chance of rain. It will eventually bring us sun. Saturday, sunny, 41. Sunday, sunny, high of 46. Uh, Obviously, what we hear about in the the national news is uh, more of the high-profile cases and uh, in the cases, or I should say races, 
that are instrumental in determining the balance of power in Washington. If we've learned anything over the past couple of years, that is the importance of local elected officials. You know, so often it was local elected officials, as we saw here in Springfield and in the Greene County area, that were the ones, the decision makers, that made such damaging decisions, freaking out over COVID and and you know, causing so many businesses to go out of business. Um, school boards is just another tremendous example. It, it's the the switcheroo in attitude of average Americans in terms of the recognition of importance over school boards. It was the most radical 180 degree switch I think I've ever seen when it comes to an understanding of elected offices. Uh, We went from a society across the country in which many people had no idea you even voted for school board members. The vast majority of people, I I, I would say 98% of parents could not tell you who a school board member was. We went from that to having these historic overturning of, of school boards where the elite establishment, despite their, their, their efforts to keep the status quo, to keep their people in charge, failed. We saw right here in Springfield where the, the establishment was rejected by parents, by the community, and say no more, and, and understanding how significant those races are. And that is a healthy recognition. The Federalist has a little piece here, and and I thought it was somewhat uplifting, a list of GOP election wins that the media won't tell you about. Sean Fleetwood notes that with Election Day over and the rest of the election week just ramping up, legacy media are openly celebrating their party escaping a stern or as stern a rebuke as many expected, despite predictions of a red tsunami that would wipe out Democrat office holders nationwide. The election shaped up to be one big confusing mess, leaving pundits on both sides of the political aisle wondering what exactly was going through voters' minds at the ballot box. Still, Tuesday night gave the GOP some major victories in states and localities throughout the country. That the corporate press has chosen to ignore them should not surprise you, considering their desperate desire to interpret the midterms as approval of Joe Biden's failed presidency. These GOP wins, however, signal the Democrats don't have the popular mandate They'd likely claim state judicial elections in Ohio. Republicans ended up sweeping all three seats for the state Supreme Court, allowing conservatives to likely have a 4-3 majority in in Ohio's highest judicial body. According to a local news outlet, the races weren't particularly close, with all three GOP candidates trouncing their Democratic opponents by double digits. With major abortion-related legal cases on the horizon, Republican control of the body will prove vital in upholding the law and protecting innocent babies in the womb. Republican judicial candidates in North Carolina also enjoyed major victories on Tuesday, with GOP nominees for the state Supreme Court flipping the two seats up for this election cycle. The projected wins will now give Republicans a 5-2 majority on the high court beginning next year. 
Earlier this year, the Democrat-controlled court struck down two state constitutional amendments previously adopted by state voters in 2018 with the ruling coalition claiming a national review as National Review reported that, quote, the two houses of the state legislature that proposed them included districts that were racially gerrymandered. But North Carolina Republicans' election dubs did not stop there. In addition to the state Supreme Court, all four GOP judges running for the seats on the North Carolina Court of Appeals are poised to defeat their Democrat opponents, marking a major win for the future integrity of that state's legal system. On the education front, Republicans fared very well in a number of key states across the country in Kansas. Four conservative candidates for the state's Board of, Ele- of Education are all projected to win their races, giving the body a 7-3 to three Republican majority. Similar trends were also seen in Texas, where more conservative candidates are projected to win their bids for seats on that state's education board. Conservative grassroots activists throughout the nation also saw success in electing parents' first candidates to their local school boards in Michigan. Four candidates, backed by the 1776 Project Pact, are projected to give conservative control of the Brandywine Board of Education. The Parental Rights Group also saw similar successes in Maryland, where the group is forecasting that three of their candidates will successfully flip the Carroll County School Board from Democrat to Republican. Additional states that saw major conservative local school board victories on Tuesday included Florida and North Carolina. Virginia Democrat Congresswoman Elaine Luria, a sitting member of the House, House's infamous January 6th committee, got handed the pink slip by voters on Tuesday when she lost her re-election bid to Republican Jennifer Kiggins in the state's 2nd Congressional District. As reported by Federalist Western correspondent Tristan Justice, Loria is one of four members of the committee not returning to Congress next year, along with Democrat Representative Stephanie Murphy of Florida, GOP Reps Liz Cheney of Wyoming, and Adam Kissinger of Illinois. While Murphy and Kissinger both opted not to even bother running for re-election this cycle, Cheney, of course, suffered a humiliating defeat at the hands of now Congresswoman-elect Harriet Hageman during Wyoming's Republican primaries earlier this year. Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee Chair Sean Patrick Maloney. Now, this is a huge one that is definitely being ignored by the media. This is the guy who is the chair of the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee. He lost his reelection bid for New York's 17th Congressional District on Tuesday, marking a major loss for the House Democrats. Defeated by Republican candidate Mike Lawler, Maloney's loss is reportedly the first time a House campaign committee chair has lost since 1992. This is the guy that went on television and said that parents were just going to have to start feeding their family Chef Boyardee. That's just what you're going to have to do in this economy. It's up, you know, it's it's your problem, not ours. According to Fox News, the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee poured roughly $600,000 into the race to save Maloney in the months leading up to Election Day. State legislatures. Thanks to the proactive leadership of Ron DeSantis, Florida's status as a solidly red state is no longer in doubt. You know, we forget that during the Obama era, there, there was a huge focus on and a prediction that Florida was going to go from purple to blue, that that was going to become a Democrat stronghold. 
And and Hillary Clinton was expected to begin that. She was expected to put that blue stamp on Florida, and it never again because of the trend, particularly amongst Hispanics, that were that Trump was going to run off, run fully into the arms of the Democrat Party. Florida was going to become a solidly blue state, making it nearly impossible for Republicans to win the White House again. And now it is just I heard a Democrat commentator uh, last night say Florida is out of the equation. It's done. It's over with. It's not something that Democrats can even concern themselves with any longer. In addition, in addition to DeSantis and Marco Rubio's sweeping victories Tuesday evening, Florida Republicans also expanded their numbers in the state legislature, where they will hold supermajorities in both the House and Senate starting next year. Republicans are also projected to increase their majorities in the North Carolina state legislature this year, giving the GOP a supermajority in their Senate and one vote shy of a supermajority in their House. The results are significant given that the state's Democrat governor, Roy Cooper, has regularly vetoed legislation backed by conservatives such as election integrity and pro-life initiatives. Sean Fleetwood is a writer of that piece. Again, she's a staff writer for Federalist, uh, among other things. So I thought that was um, the sort of thing. It doesn't get talked about largely because they are local. But it shows at the local level. It shows that outside of all of the Washington claptrap and the the races in which media is able to censor the news in order to try and alter the outcome of the elections, that things were much, much better than I think many Americans believed after watching the results come in Tuesday and yesterday and will continue to come in for God knows how long, because of the brilliance of Democrats like Katie Hobbs in Arizona, who, I I mean, if that scenario isn't just a perfect illustration of how ignorant voters can be, Arizona, total complete, once again, debacle when it comes to counting votes. The individual in charge, Secretary of State, is Katie Hobbs, who is neck and neck for the governorship. And she gets to be in charge of all that. Springfield's Talk 1041. I'm Nick Reed. You're listening to Nick Reed in the Morning on Springfield's Talk 1041. A1 Custom Car Care, as you uh, next decide where it is to get your oil change or your car breaks down and you call the tow service and they're like, where do you want us to take it? I recommend A1 Custom Car Care. By the way, Thanksgiving is a time of year and Christmas, a time of year when a lot of you, your kids, will be coming to visit college age, you know, maybe they're working a job and they're, they're, they're trying to get their degree and, you know, they've got a lot going on. And you're like, what, what meaningful gift can I give them? Maybe, uh, like a free oil change, or you, you just schedule it for them on the visit home and have a routine maintenance done or, or a gift certificate or card in whatever form it is to a one custom car care. Um, that way they can do what nobody really loves to do anyway, but particularly if you're in college and you're distracted and you'd much rather spend money on Fireball and Jello shots and whatever else. Uh, that can help, you know, keep them safe and keep their vehicle maintained in a way that makes it less likely that they end up having to buy a new one sooner than later. A1 Custom Car Care. There's an interesting story from KCTV Kansas City. United States Postal Service warns against using blue boxes during the holidays. You know, your traditional... Mailboxes. 
And in fact, they're actually, now that I look at it, it's a KY3 story. The, uh, the original story, and they note the holidays are right around the corner, and soon many people will be mailing Christmas gifts before you drop an envelope in one of those blue boxes. United States postal workers want you to keep a few things in mind. USPS reported an increase in thefts from these boxes, specifically during the holiday season, and they give a few precautions to make sure that your gifts are delivered first. Look at the time of the last collection for the day on the front of the blue box. Make sure you're putting your mail in the box before that time. You don't want your letter or package sitting overnight. So, In other words, you want it in there the least amount of time possible because it decreases the chances that somebody's going to break in and steal everything that's in it. They also say one of the best things that you can do is hand it off directly to your postal carrier instead of using the box altogether. Never, of course, they say send cash because you know theft obviously is, is a problem. So here we have a warning, and these aren't unfamiliar warnings, particularly around the holidays. There's sorts of warnings we hear about. Don't leave a purse in your vehicle that it can be seen even if your doors are locked. Uh, You know, if you can, don't leave packages out on your front porch any longer than you have to. Uh, And, of course, the United States Postal Service is noting that, listen, those those blue boxes that sit out there, they're not, you know, they're not monitored. They're not the most secure thing in the world. Um, If you are going to put something in there, as they note, make sure you see when the the pickup time is. Do it as close to that as possible. You don't want it in over the overnight. Best case scenario is don't put it in one at all. Hand it to your postal carrier. Yet... When it comes to your vote, we're told that mailing ballots in is absolutely secure with no reason for concern whatsoever. Early voting, weeks in advance, having these you know, the ability and and to to you know just drop it in the mail. Don't question that. If you question that, you're a conspiracy theorist. If you question that, you're insulting the good hard workers at the U.S. Postal Service. If you question that, you're some MAGA hat wearing nut job domestic terrorist. But isn't it interesting that outside of the concept of the vote, we're warned, listen, these things aren't really that secure. At least it's not the most secure way to make sure that your mail gets from one place to the other. Oh, that was interesting. It's all context, isn't it? Tomorrow morning, we do have a hero's breakfast at Scrambler. 6, 8, and 9, a. if you come out, you're a veteran while we're broadcasting live. Uh, you're going to get free breakfast, Serenity Honors, sponsoring that along with Delta Roofing and Air Services, Heating, Cooling, Plumbing, and Electrical, and, of course, Scrambler. You're listening to Nick Reed in the Morning on Springfield's Talk 1041. There are all these stories out there that Trump is um, furious at, you know, another one of these Trump furious stories. These are, these are the favorite anonymous source stories that the media runs with. He was furious at this, furious at that, furious at, you know, all these. <laughs> because, you know, even if the, all of these instances are true, Trump is the only elected official that ever gets furious. You know, you know that, right? That's why these are noteworthy stories. When you see these, that this is supposed to indicate another uh, uh, detrimental 
aspect of his personality, another reason that you should not like Donald Trump because he gets furious. Now, Joe Biden never gets furious. Nancy Pelosi never gets furious. No, no one ever, no politician ever gets furious except Donald Trump. This story is particularly fun because uh, he supposedly blames Melania for it, that Melania told him to, um, to back Oz, and that's why he did it, and he, that's why he's furious at her. Because if anyone knows anything about Trump, it's that he always lets other people tell him what to do. <laughs> so this story totally, completely adds up that, uh, that Trump... Uh, who, of course, we're supposed to believe has so little respect for women anyhow uh, that he womanizes all the time. Yet, on the other hand, he he allows other people to tell him whom it is that he's going to support, uh, and uh, that includes his wife. Uh, so figure that one out, right? All that being said, can you imagine, I mean, to some degree, Oz has to feel like the biggest loser in the world. <laughs> Have we thought about how he feels in all this? News in 60 seconds.